does not count against sermon time. All right. We've been looking together in 2 Corinthians and seeing what Paul has to say to this church about some wonderful things, but also, and we'll see it today, some difficult things. He's told them that they are to have a sanctified life as well as a serious life, always taking their next step in their faith. He's also shared with them about, as we said last week, just being available, available to the Lord, available to others, even with our hurts or our our weaknesses, with our time and with our preferences. It's to be a glory-giving life and a resource-giving life. It's to be a risking and reaching life. And today, we're going to share together about how it's a a disciplined life as we look at what Paul says uh, with this church. Now listen, they've had, if you go back to the the first letter, they've had a lot of struggles, division, uh, arguing over things, uh, 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 immorality. And so he's written a second letter. If you remember, it's his tear-stained letter. And now here comes really what's the third letter uh, to them. And in spite of them doubting his apostleship, as this closes, we're going to get some really sweet words for these people in this church but at the same time we're also still going to get some correction here and it's got to be both it's always got to be both Uh, one of Ben's seminary professors uh, would say to students when they would ask a question and they would say to him hey I don't I don't agree with that I know you're a PhD and you've given your life to this but I don't agree with that and I'd like to share with you why and he would always graciously say that's wonderful tell you what I'll give you Two minutes to make your case, and then I will crush you. So it's kind of that, that balance of what we, what we need. And it's not just what we need, a, a word of encouragement, but also a word of truth. It's, it's who Jesus is. We can miss that. We hold on to that verse from John, John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. But we forget how that verse closes. He came full of grace and truth. It's both. So there has to be a a word of grace, and we better start with grace, but there's always correction. There's always truth, or we're not Christ-like. We're not biblical. And so Paul, saying to this church as he comes to them, he's saying positively but also negatively, I need you to be disciplined. I love what Craig Rochelle says about discipline. He says that discipline is simply this. It's choosing what you want most over what you want now. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. Discipline's hard. Paul certainly talks about that elsewhere. To to, to be where I want to be in terms of finances or with children or with work or with my life in Christ, sometimes there's different choices I don't want to make right now. They're hard, but whatever I want to be then, I've got to make that choice now. So Paul does it positively, if you're following along in your notes, for the building up so that you and I might be built up in Christ. We have to be about the spiritual disciplines. And he gives them these encouraging words, looking at verse 11. Rejoice! Be complete. He, does, he says it here, and then he says it back in verse 9, too. I just want you to be completely whole in Christ. 
I want you to be comforted. We'll talk about that uh, next week. I want you to be unified. I want you to have the peace of God in your life. I want you to have his love in your life. Well, if all of those things are going to be in your life, we've got to follow the model that Paul set for them. We've got to follow, and we'll talk about this in a minute, the model we see even in our forefather, John Wesley. But ultimately, it's the model we find in Christ. He was all about the spiritual disciplines. Jesus quotes the word to the devil. Jesus picks up the word. Jesus shares the word. Jesus is always at his prayers. And so you look at Paul's life, and you see this kind of commitment to the disciplines. Because again, a discipled life does not happen on accident. We just don't fall into righteousness and holiness. We just don't. It's got to be a disciplined life, following after the disciplines. And you watch Paul's life. It's every mark you can think of of spiritual disciplines, it's his life. Go back to verse 1 in this, in this chapter. He's quoting Scripture. Why? Because he knew Scripture. And you follow all of his letters. You can maybe sue Paul for plagiarism because he's constantly quoting what God has said through, through other saints. You watch his life in Acts, and he's always trying to find a prayer meeting. You watch his life, and he's always putting himself in small groups and larger groups to be built up in the faith. He's always worshiping. He's always, as a matter of fact, part of his argument is about communion in the first letter because he's about the sacraments. And you see that in Wesley's life, and it's the same thing. It's it's. It's a commitment to scripture reading. It's a commitment to prayer. We think he got up around 4 o'clock every day to pray for an hour, and then he would go teach at 5 o'clock. And again, as I'm pulling some of this from his journals, he was so good at journal writing, 26 volumes. And this is not just sharing his thoughts with us. You read that report about, you know, something like a, like a dear diary. I read a report where a guy had his diary stolen. Can you imagine that? You've been writing in your diary for a long time, and somebody got a hold of that? Well, apparently the person who stole it immediately died. And so this, this gentleman connects with that guy's family and says, listen, uh, I know that you have my diary and that that man died, and I want you to know my thoughts are with you. They have his diary. Okay. It bombed over in the other service too, but I thought I'd put it out there. <laughs> Wesley's journal is not his thoughts. There's some of that. Let me tell you what God's doing. I want to write it down so when I'm having a hard day, I can go back to my journal. Look how God showed up here. Look how God showed up here. Maybe some of us need to take up the discipline of journaling. I love that he's committed to worship. This is John Wesley, and you find him worshiping three times on Christmas. You find him worshiping at least twice a day on Sunday. This is John Wesley who's got the entire, we think, the entire New Testament memorized in the original Greek. What does he need of a preacher? And yet you see him in his journal saying, by the way, right before him saying this, he also says, this particular preacher was dull and kept us too long. He feels your pain, okay? But then the next week after that, he talks about going to church in the morning and the evening and saying, that sermon, or really those sermons, were made for me. 
He's got the New Testament memorized. I need to be, I need to be in the discipline of worship, the discipline of listening to sermons, the discipline of prayer, the discipline of journaling, the discipline, I love how he talks about conversation with other believers about spiritual things. When he's on the boat ride over to America and coming back, he's scared out of his mind. We talked about that recently. Scared out of his mind because of the storms. And there's some people from Germany over here just singing to the Lord. And so Wesley begins to learn German. Let me say that again. He learned a foreign language. Why? I got to know what they have. And even when he got back to England, he went all the way to Germany so he could talk with them and learn from them. Why? Because a discipled life is a disciplined life. i got to put in the work. i got to put in the work so I can have all that God wants me to have. And also, it's like today. I'm so pleased you're here. It's, it's a, a commitment to the, the discipline of Sabbath. It's interesting. You read Je- uh, Wesley's journal. If he really wanted to speak out against somebody this was kind of his go-to almost a cuss word for wesley you ready the mobs would come to him and here's the cuss word write it down you sabbath breakers <laughs> y'all try that y'all are playing football basketball baseball when somebody you know hits you with a bad play you say you're a sabbath breaker just try that they will wilt and they will cry i love that his mama wrote in her, in, in her, her uh, letter, John asked her to write some things down for him. And that was her commitment. Sunday was not, this is her words, is not just going to church. But she talked about the discipline she had with her children to raise them up on the Lord on that day. That day is different. She was going to keep the Sabbath well. And I love also, when you look at her life, and some of us will resonate with this, when you watch her commitment to the disciplines, she, I think it was an apron. I may be wrong. It may be the tablecloth. It's been years since I've, I've never forgotten it. I just forget what it was. She put it over her head for an hour a day. Now listen, if I had double-digit kids, I'd want to put something over my head for several hours a day, right? You don't mess with mama right now because mama's with Jesus. There's something beautiful about that. If I want to parent you well, If I want to bless my spouse, if I want to bless those who are coming to my Bible studies, which she led, if I want to be a blessing to my community, they don't need more of me. What did we say last week? They need more Jesus. And so I'm going to be with my first love first so that I can pour in to everyone else. What's your next step? What we see in Paul, what we watch the pattern of his life with this church, but also in Acts and with other churches, What's the model we see there? What's the model we see in Jesus? What's the model you see in John Wesley? Theirs is a disciplined life. What's your next step? We'd lo- I'd love to talk with you about that. Ben would love to talk with you about that. Maybe it's for scripture reading. And you need to be a part of our three-year plan or our one-year plan. There's some great resources, too, that are there. It's not just reading scripture, but there are prayers. There's YouTube videos on different topics. But what's your next step with your prayer life? Linda would love to talk with you about that. I'd love to talk with you about that. What's your next step with how you're going to do Sabbath different? Whatever it might be, so that, not a burden, not another hoop to jump through, but Paul's saying, this is the kind of stuff that brings life. What's your next step? Now, that's the positive side. Here's the hard part. This will be the hardest part of this sermon series. It's not just positively for the building up, but Paul has said, 
I'm not coming. He says it on two occasions. I'm not coming here to tear you down, but I'm going to go ahead and tear you down right now so when I get there, I don't have to come with severity. And he's saying that because to be a disciple means it's a disciplined life, not just in terms of, of, of being built up with the spiritual disciplines, but we need the voices of other believers in our life to encourage us, but also to say a word to us. Verse 7, I don't want you to do wrong. Verse 10, yeah, there's a severity in this letter, but I'm giving it to you now because I don't want to be that person when I get there. Change your life, come back to Christ now. You've got to have, I've got to have, a brother or sister in Christ who will speak into my life, into your life. Paul models that here. By, by saying to these that he founded, I need you to come back. And he does that on several occasions, walking with them, mentoring them, coaching them, speaking truth with grace into their life. John Wesley uh, did the same. And listen, he knew what could happen when we don't have that. So it's not just a word of correction. It's because I want you to have the life that God wants you to have. He was talking about some people in a town, I think it was Pembrokeshire. And he would, they were under all kinds of blessings of preaching. But here's what he said to him, and I want to read just a paragraph. He said, I am convinced more than ever that preaching like an apostle, and I'm sure Wesley did, that preaching like an apostle without joining people together, without joining those who are awakened together for training them up in the ways of God. So I'm convinced that they, they've had all this kinds of preaching, but because they wouldn't get together and care over one another in love and be real about what was going on and have anybody speak into their life, if you won't do that, it is only begetting children for the murderer. 20 years of preaching, no societies, no discipline, and the consequences is that 9 in 10 that were once awakened are now faster asleep than ever. Because they wouldn't let anybody in. Y'all, that's the first thing that the, that the Methodists punted when we got to America. A vibrant movement of God. They said you could literally write Francis Asbury, one of the first two bishops. You could write his name on a postcard without an address, put it in the mail, and it would get to him. Because of the explosion of Methodism and everybody knew who he was. But the first thing the Methodists punted was... Nobody's asking me a question. I will not be in a band. I will not be in a class. Because the first question in the class is, how is it with your soul? Nobody's asking me that. First question in a band is, hey, how did you sin this week? Nobody's asking me that. And so immediately, there was a pushback. But what we see in the life of Paul, and we see in the life of Wesley, for there really to be a vibrancy to our faith, we can just get off course too quickly. Paul definitely sees it with his church. He's discipled them, and yet they're already following false teachers. Wesley saw it here in Pobrokeshire so quickly. 20 years of vibrant, authentic preaching, but because nobody would speak into their life, we all need a word. We were visiting with uh, my in-laws last night. Uh, Sarah's sister and family are here from Austria. Please pray for them. They do ministry with refugees. And there's a flood of people, mostly Muslim, who are pouring into Europe via Austria. And so that's their ministry. They've done that for several decades, and the Lord's blessing them, so pray for them. But we were over at Sarah's parents' house last night just talking old stories. 
And one story came up about how their daughter and my daughter had a sleepover at our house. But of course, you're six, seven years old. It can't just be a sleepover. We had to build a tent for them. Some of you have done that. We built a tent in the living room, right? And we told them, all right, nine o'clock, girls, nine o'clock, y'all go to bed. What a one o'clock, you've been there. Some of y'all have been there. At one o'clock, there was just enough noise that finally Sarah got out of bed, went into the living room, and of course, she not only found the girls, she found an illegal stash of snacks that they had filled the tent with, right? But she heard the noise and saw a flashlight in there moving, and Sarah said, what are y'all up to? And my daughter, being very wise and a good preacher's daughter, said what? We need the flashlights. We're reading our Bibles. What are y'all doing? What are you doing? And, and that's a word that Paul gives to this church. It's a word that Wesley's saying, I want you guys to watch over and love. You need a brother or sister in Christ that will ask you from time to time, what are you doing? What's really going on in your life? If there's to be any kind of vibrancy, we need somebody to oversee our souls and to care enough to ask those tough questions. I told you last week, or a couple of weeks ago, yeah, last week, John, uh, John Wesley had a, f- best, a good friend who was the one who convinced him to do field preaching. This guy, George Whitfield, was a, and Wesley admits it in his journal, this guy could drop the hammer. This guy could preach. This guy was better than him at preaching and saw thousands of people in field preaching come to faith. This guy brought so many, by God's grace, brought so many people into the kingdom. But late in his life, George Whitfield was looking at Wesley's system, that Wesley put people into classes and bands so they could watch over one another in love. And this is what George Whitfield said after leading thousands to Jesus Christ. My brother Wesley acted wisely. The souls that were awakened under his ministry, he joined in class and thus preserved the fruits of his labor. This I neglected, and my people are but a rope of sand. They're gone. All those that have been brought into the kingdom have gone right back. Because we didn't have somebody placed in their life that would bring grace, and we need grace, but also who would bring truth and instruction. Uh, It's critical for us, if we're going to have the life that God calls us to have, that we have that in a Sunday school class or in a small group, or you're in a little covenant group with one or two people who will walk with you. I've shared it before, but the president of Asbury Seminary says, you can get saved on a deserted island. You cannot get sanctified on one. You've got to have other believers who will encourage you, but also ask that question, what's going on? How is it with your soul? What's that next step for you? That next step maybe in taking on the spiritual disciplines that I need to take that next step in my Bible reading, that next step in my prayer life, that next step in making Sabbath more of what the Lord intended, that next step in journaling, that next step in being in a group and and having spiritual conversations with people. What's that next step? I'd love to pray with you and talk with you about that. But then also to say, and really take a look at it. It took me years. I, I missed this for years to finally have somebody say, 
hey, what's going on? To open my life to somebody else where they had freedom to say and routinely said, tell me what's going on in your life. It's how you and I hold on to Jesus and we hold on to the life that he's gifted to us. Spiritual disciplines, but also under discipline. Last night when we were at the Martin's house talking about just different things, my father-in-law asked me about the sermon. It always makes me nervous because I'm afraid, you know, he's going to say, oh, no, why'd you pick that? But he, we were sharing about, I said, well, we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines, but then also being under discipline. And he talked about some of the churches that he served in Brazil. Now, now imagine this. His first meeting at the church he served in Brazil, they brought a guy up in front of everybody and said, so-and-so's got to make a confession. Oh, Okay. What's your confession? I broke the seventh commandment. Now, Dr. Joe starts turning back to the Old Testament. All right, what's the seventh one? But apparently that had been broken enough in that church that they said, oh, no, wait, no, that's adultery. We know that one. You don't have to look it up. And so as part of the discipline for that, no communion for you. We want you in the life of the church. We want you, and we're going to see this in 2 Corinthians uh, next week or the following week, how Jesus has given to us a ministry of reconciliation. The goal is not to tear down. The goal is to build up and to bring you back into life with God and life with one another. Not to tear down, but to build up. But as part of discipline, and you see Peter do that all the time in Acts and his other letters, part of this discipline in love is no communion for you. I think, I think Dr. Joe said he lasted about six months. And after six months, he was still coming to church, but not being able to come here. Not being able to sup at the altar rail, the communion rail, and to receive the sacrament, the presence of Christ with us. He broke, repented of his sin, because I need that discipline. I need that means of grace. I need that sacrament. And because somebody was free to speak truth into his life, and by the way, Dr. Joe said it was almost every week they were bringing somebody up. All right? We're not starting that next week. But I hope next week you'll have somebody who will say that to you. Maybe not here, but with you. I love you enough to ask, what's really going on in your life? For me, I had, to, I had to basically beg somebody to do that. Hey, I'm not having this in my life. Would you do that for me? Um, will you let somebody do that for you? Or would you coach somebody how to do that? We need the spiritual disciplines to be built up, but we also need to be open to a word from others so that we can, as Paul closes here so beautifully, we can be unified, we can have the peace of God, we can have the love of God, but that only happens in a disciplined life. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you that in your son Jesus Christ we see his grace and truth. That in his life we see such a wonderful commitment to the disciplines. That he models that for us as well as he models truth-telling. Fathers, we look at Paul's life with this church. His great love for them. His, his modeling for them. We thank you for that. We pray we would learn from that. And, and that we today would take our next step. Whatever that might be. In the word. In a more more disciplined prayer life, maybe committed to spiritual conversations with a brother or sister in Christ. Father, would you lead us, help us 
so that we might have the life you've called us to have, so that we might be transformed from glory to glory, that we might be renewed day by day, as Paul has told this church. We want that, and we know that only comes through the spiritual disciplines. But Father, I also pray for all of us that we be open to somebody speaking into our life in love, that we would watch over one another in love. If you've called us to that ministry with somebody, Father, let us first look at the, own, the, the log we have in our own eye. But we thank you for that call to be your words and to be your peace, but also to be your truth. But Father, we also pray for ourselves. Would you place those people in our lives so that we don't miss what you have for us? That we don't, we don't miss where, where we're to serve or what we're to say or what we're to be. Bless our response to this, your word, in the name of Jesus, for his kingdom's sake, we pray. Amen.